Have you ever thought that there's something wrong with you, but you don't exactly know what that is? Do you have friends, maybe a boyfriend, a partner, or family that has previously gone to therapy, but you're not sure if it's the right decision for you? Or maybe you've seen in movies a coach or someone talking about hypnotherapy and all of these magical, mystical techniques that help your mindset. Well, today we're going to be talking to Angie about all of that. She's a self-transformation coach, and we will be talking about it in a bit. So let's go. If you've ever felt alone, misunderstood, or like your story doesn't matter, you've come to the right place. Welcome to Pretty Sure, the podcast where we explore the fun in life's ups and downs. Join me, your host, in a mix of guests from friends to thought leaders, artists, entrepreneurs, and experts for some raw, unfiltered, and frankly, hilarious conversations. We'll chat about our struggles as millennials, the joys and pains of being single or in a relationship, life and biz lessons, and some inspiring takeaways too, because remember, no topic is ever off the table for us. Hi, I'm Sabrina, your new best friend, and every week you can expect kindness, support, and some tough love, because you'll be damn sure I'm going to be calling you out on your shit when you need it most. Pretty sure we're in for a wild ride, so saddle up and let's go! Welcome back to another episode of Pretty Sure Podcast. This is actually the first episode that I'm recording for the year. Not exactly sure when this is going to come out, but if you do hear this, Happy New Year and welcome to 2021. So today's topic, as you know, I have discovered mental health and all of those things in the past year. We previously had a guest, but today is going to be a bit different because we're going to be focusing on mental health from a coaching perspective because I, as well, I don't think I've mentioned this before, but I used to go to therapy because at one point I was unsure what my problem was with not having a relationship, why I couldn't find a man, why I only found men that were like unavailable, which it'll be a conversation for another day because boy, do I have great dating stories for you. But I've always thought therapy wasn't the thing for me. So when I discovered coaching and I figured there were hypnotherapy and all of this mindset work, I was mind blown. So today's guest is a really special guest. Her name is Angie, and she is a transformation coach, self-transformation. I can never tell if it's both words. She's an expert in all of the techniques. She's gone over depression and anxiety herself, and we're actually going to be talking all about that. So welcome, Angie. Happy to have you here. And please tell us your story. Thank you for having me. This is really exciting to be the first guest for 2021. So yeah, as you mentioned, I'm a rapid transformational coach and therapist. And I, my journey really began with mental health when I was quite young. So I, from a young age, was under a lot of pressure. I had school, I had music, I had national swimming. And I had this very strong mentality that I needed to always be achieving, 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 or be the best at something. And it started to really take its toll on me in my kind of late teens, just before going into university. But mental health wasn't something that's really talked about in school. It's not really talked about at all. So I had no idea what it was that I was going through. And even after I had an official diagnosis from a doctor and started to get help, my mental health kind of 
still continued into my adulthood and into my working life, really affecting me, really affecting how I functioned. I just couldn't really figure out what it was that was wrong. And after working with a lot of different therapists and doing a lot of mindset work and coaching myself, I started to uncover the root causes of what was driving my depression and my anxiety. And it had all to do with fulfillment and what I wanted to do because for all my life I had been chasing society's ideals of what happiness should be or how you obtain happiness getting top grades at school going to a top university and then working in great firms I was working on two of the best firms in the world professional service firms but I was so so miserable and so when I really understood that was what was driving my my poor mental health that's when I started to look at other factors and started to pursue a career in well, working for myself and mainly predominantly mindset and mental health. I love that you talk about that because I mean having dealt with that since a young age I think it kind of even shaped your personality right so let's backtrack that a bit and let's talk about how you actually kind of like came to the conclusion that you had to you needed help with your mind right because it's obviously we grow up thinking, oh, this is normal. Like I have to be pressured into doing this. Like I have to be doing a million things. I have to excel at school. I have to do this. And then once we grow up, for some of us, it's a little bit later in life, we realize actually that wasn't healthy at all. And you obviously realized that at a younger age, because you had harder symptoms you had, I know you told me previously that you dealt with depression and anxiety. So when kind of was the point that you really decided or really looked into, okay, I think I might need help with my mind because something is not okay. Yeah, so it was a weird one for me. I vividly remember a specific moment in my time. And it was a really weird moment. I just finished a history exam for my international baccalaureate. And it was like the most stressful topic, the most stressful subject. And I had been freaking out about it for months. And I finished the exam and I felt so happy. I was literally buzzing on cloud nine. And I was laughing, joking with my friend. And it was, it almost was like a light bulb moment or a switch went off in my mind. And it was like in movies where everything around me just kind of went numb and silent and I just stopped laughing and I just, a numbness just descended on me. And I looked at the wall in front of me and I just stared at this wall for about 10 minutes and couldn't, didn't move. And then from that point onwards, I was feeling complete numbness, emptiness. I was crying all the time, but I couldn't really figure it out. And then even when I finished my exams, I was still feeling this numbness and I just put it down to having been burnt out from studying uh, working really hard and that my energy would come back but I started university about three or four months later and I was still feeling this emptiness I was talking to new people but I was just not connecting to them there was just not there was something missing that had kind of like left my body almost and I would sit in lectures and tears would just stream down my eyes for no particular reason and that's when I really thought okay this is not normal like I can't be just burnt out or just recovering from stress this is something much much deeper so I went to see my university tutor or college dean who then told me to go to see the mental health nurse and go to see my doctor and that's when I kind of 
got an official diagnosis. But to be honest, depression had not even been on my radar. Even at the age of 17, I was at that time, 17, 18, I never really thought, oh, I must, like, maybe it's depression. I don't know why. Maybe it just not been talked about at school. So I never thought about it. But when the doctor said it to me, it kind of just made sense. How did that make you feel? Like, were you ever self-conscious about the fact that you were depressed or that you needed to go to therapy? Or like, what was your entire reaction or feelings towards that? Actually, I was, for me, it was relief. It was relief knowing that there wasn't, it wasn't, I could have something to label or to say, okay, there is something wrong. It's just not all in my head. And the thing is, you know, I don't really like the word diagnosis of depression, but it kind of is necessary in terms of giving a set of symptoms a label so that people can understand it. But, you know, I don't like the, I don't really like the word diagnosis, but it did help me to understand that this set of characteristics was abnormal and there is something that you can do about it. And for me, medication did work really well. I know for some people it's not, it doesn't work well and it's very individualized and a lot of people like to prefer natural remedies. For me, I have found that it worked for me. So that was a massive factor in helping me kind of overcome this this part of me this part of this blip if you want to call it (laughs) and how did you feel going to therapy like was it were you excited about it because you were finally gonna not excited in the sense like yay going to therapy but you know kind of like excited in terms of yay I'm finally gonna figure out how to fix myself or like I'm finally gonna get over this feeling that I have or like What were your thoughts when they told you, yeah, you know what, you should start on this medication and you should start seeing your therapist, I don't know how many times a week or a month or whatever? It is sort of, I guess I didn't really know what to expect. I wasn't close-minded about it. I wasn't thinking, I had no stigma around seeing a therapist. I don't know why. It never really, it didn't bother me, the fact that I needed to go see someone and my mom was really helpful she found me she did a lot of research and she found me a really great one to go and see but I just was in so much pain at that point that anything that was going to help me get out of it was I was up for and if that meant going to see a therapist and that meant going on medication at the time then that is exactly what I needed to do because it was just too painful to go on with the symptoms that I was going through Yeah, for sure. Did you ever find out what was the cause? Was it all the stress that you went through when you were younger and like the perfectionism? Yeah. And, you know, I think when everyone goes through depression for different reasons and really what a therapist's job is to do is to help you figure out the root causes that are specific to you. And, you know, every kind of major bout of depression I've had over the last 15 years or so, I've learned something more about what it is, a trigger or a little bit about myself. So, you know, I probably suffered with depression since I was about 12 and didn't realize it because I had no formal diagnoses. But if I look back now, then definitely I was displaying symptoms from a very young age because of the pressure I was under. And so when I started to explore the triggers for me it all did come down to pressure and the feeling of not feeling good enough and wanting to 
be perfect at everything, get perfect grades, get perfect scores in music, get do the perfect race and swimming. It all came down to an internal sense of achievement and pressure for me. And I had a very fixed mindset about things, which now I understand how detrimental that was because I'd set unrealistic standards for myself. And when I didn't meet them, I'd beat myself up. And that is just like a surefire way to make yourself spiral into a very dark place. Yeah. I know. So we've talked about it for everyone that doesn't follow on Instagram. We actually did a live. I think it was right before the holidays, right before New Year's. And we're talking all about these things. But I wanted to come and ask Angie again, because I know there's a big audience that doesn't follow me on Instagram and still for perpetuity, because these are such interesting topics. And Angie has, you know, on top of the experience that she's had, her personal experience, she also turned into a coach that actually helps people dealing with the same things that she are. So I figured we'd ask similar questions for those of you that didn't watch our live. So one of the main ones that stuck with me when I was talking to you on the live was what the difference between anxiety and depression was, because like I've mentioned, there's a lot of stigma, you know, especially around mental health. And in a lot of cultures, specifically, for example, here in Mexico, where I'm from, there's a lot of people that are like, oh, you can't be anxious because anxious is for like specific people, right? Like, oh, you're smart. You can't be anxious or like, oh, depression doesn't exist and stuff like that. And obviously growing up, you travel, whatever you discover, actually they do exist. But what's the difference for you having lived through them and, you know, learning all of these techniques to help people with those? Yeah, definitely. I think, you know, that's why the word diagnosis for mental health is quite a dangerous one. And I don't really like to use it. But I always think of mental health as a spectrum. We all have it. There's no such thing as, I don't know, you're depressed, you have to be put into this category. You're an anxious person. So you must be in this category. And you're like a completely fine and confident and whatever and you're in this box everyone has a degree and spectrum of it and we go through it right like no one is happy 24 7 they all have we all have blips in our life we all go through different things different traumas but for me the difference between anxiety and depression anxiety is a feeling of constant worry or panic or alertness it's always this feeling of what's going to go wrong what am I doing wrong what could I be doing better and it creates a real sense of constant fear in your state of living like you're on high alert all the time you might you know for me it's not sleeping it's maybe not eating it's getting heart palpitations or feeling the fear but Depression, on the other hand, is a feeling of constant, it's more than just sadness. It's a feeling of emptiness for me and numbness. Like for me, nothing, when I've been in a state of deep depression, it's been a feeling of like not caring about anything. Just all you can feel is a constant sense of pain and emptiness. It's weird because you can feel this pain, but you also feel a numbness. I don't know how to describe it, but I think anyone who's gone through it, will probably understand what I mean by that feeling but you know people have such different degrees of and you can be a high functioning anxious person or you can be someone who literally is crippled by it it is really really dependent on the person 
That's really interesting that you say that because, you know, obviously growing up with that whole, oh, you can't be anxious. Oh, you can't be depressed. Like when that did happen to me at some point, I was like, I can't like, you know, even myself, I was like, I can't be anxious. Like this is like, I'm normal. Right. That's what I thought before. Yeah. Obviously I've went through a lot of unlearning processes, but like you said, there are feelings like that. There's different degrees and there shouldn't actually be any shame around it because everyone feels it at some point. Like people die you lose jobs, things happen. It's not like you can just be, yay, I'm perfectly fine all day. Life is amazing. Who cares if my grandma died? Who cares if I just lost like the love of my life or the job or whatever? So that is really important that you say that. Now, having yourself experienced it, now that you look back, were there any specific signs you think people can look for that it's time that you need help? You know, obviously, now that you've gone through it, you're better. You look at your life and you're like, oh, my God, if I would have gone at this point, maybe I would have it wouldn't have gotten that bad. Like, Do you have any recommendations for people that might be thinking, is it time to get like, do I need help? Am I depressed? Yeah, I think if you feel like you're constantly doubting yourself or putting yourself down or have a constant sense of dread or fear or anxiety about the future then that's definitely a sign I think when people are depressed they do know deep down that they are because it is almost like it's a feeling of I don't know if I can go on I don't know how to go on so that is more of a an obvious feeling I would say but whether a person chooses to get help or not that's a different matter but for me Big signs, I think, was a feeling of I never really felt happy. I Mm. always felt stressed. I always felt dread about what was coming up. Dread about, I know everyone, no one likes exams, but for me, it was when I was at school, exams felt life threatening to me because I was so scared about not getting the right required grades. I don't know, like, I look back now and I think, well, does it really matter how many A stars you've got? But at the time, everything to me was so, so important and a literally a matter of life and death. And that kind of black and white thinking I now understand is like a cognitive distortion and it really warps your perception of reality. And that led into the perfectionism and then all the anxiety and everything else that came with it. So yeah, looking back now, the signs for me were generally me not feeling happy or fulfilled Mm. and has that changed over the years like do you now are you now able to be happy do things stress you less like how has that whole unlearning process been for you yeah so I think it definitely has changed in terms of finding something that gives me purpose and lights me up and that I can I can really resonate with because I think I know some people are very lucky in that they already know what they want to do. They fall into their dream career quite quickly. I'm not saying that they got a smooth sailing journey, but they figure they know what they want to do. Maybe they've known from a very young age. But for me, the journey kind of, well, it's only really just landed, I guess, this last year in terms of, oh, this is what I really want to do. But I think the biggest realization for me was not searching for happiness because I remember a therapist explained to me once you know sometimes a lot of people are searching for happiness like a constant state of happiness whereas 
there is no real state. Obviously, no one's not happy all the time, but you, what you really want is a constant state of like joy and your happiness fluctuates around this constant state of joy. But finding that level of joy is the thing that most people struggle with because they either stay in jobs that are unfulfilling or they stay in relationships that are unfulfilling and they just try and make happiness come about from that but if your base level of joy is not there then you're going to find it very difficult to be happy in life but understanding and accepting that not life is not rosy all of the time and I mean it sounds stupid for me saying it now but as a younger self when you're a young teenager or a child and you see all these people talking about ambitions and you get to go to the corporate world and marry and have a dream life you don't really they don't tell you about all the shit that comes with it so setting realistic expectations I think I love that. That's a really good way of looking at life. Okay, so let's talk now about your career. So did you always know what you wanted to study or how did that, you know, go about with you ending up in the jobs that you had in corporate? In corporate? Oh, so I I kind of based my university degree on logic <laughs> because to be honest, when I was younger, I always knew I wanted to be my own boss at some point in my life. Mm-hmm. And the reason I chose consulting in the corporate world was because I thought it would give me an insight into different industries and I might be inspired to then pursue something in the entrepreneurial world. So I kind of worked my way backwards. I I, I start, I ended with the an entrepreneurial journey and then I thought maybe consulting, how do I get into consulting? What would be a good degree? Mm-hmm. Looking back now, that probably shouldn't have done that. Like I think a lot of people try and that's what they do. They try to map up their life logically. Like in order to get from A to Z, I need to go A, B, C, D, E. But if I could go back now, I would just say follow whatever makes you happy or whatever makes you feel because passion will eventually lead you into the direction you need to go. So for me, you know, I was interested in psychology and I was interested, I was actually interested in marine biology and like biology because I I don't know I really liked it as a subject but I chose economics because I just thought that's quite a more businessy topic to go down if I ever want to be an entrepreneur maybe this will suit me better and it didn't it really didn't like serve me at all I couldn't tell you one thing that I learned on my economics degree (laughs) apart from the demand and supply but that's it like but yeah, that's how I landed my first two jobs. And I worked for two of the biggest professional service firms in the world before I decided I was like, nah. That's so do. interesting. So if you could go back right now, what would you study? Would you study psychology? Or would you forego university altogether? Yeah, that's an interesting one because I I don't know. I think university was a kind of a good experience. So mm-hmm. I probably would have done something that I was more passionate about, like psychology or history. But to be honest, what I'm doing now, it, like I wouldn't have needed a degree to do mm-hmm. it. I could have just trained in advanced therapy. But no, I, I, I guess I would have. I would still go for the experience and for the the friendships and the different types of learning that you get from from it. <laughs> I love that. So at what moment did you actually decide, you know what, I think corporate life might not be for me? Was it something that happened or were you just never truly happy in corporate and you kind of were waiting for the moment 
to figure out what you liked? I was never happy. I remember, like, literally from day one was a disappointment <laughs> to me. <laughs> Honestly, the, the first day I walked in the door, everything was just just a disappointment. And they really big up this whole corporate life. Mm. And they make it, I mean, the, the firms that I was trying to get into were extremely competitive. So it was hard, hard work to get in. Like, I'd been rejected a lot of times. And getting into these firms took a lot of stress and work but then I was just really disappointed with the work that I got it was so unfulfilling it didn't motivate me and the whole hierarchy in corporate just didn't fit with me like I've never been one that's very good at taking orders like my, you can ask my parents like they you can't tell me to do anything I just can do the complete opposite so <laughs> I really realized this in corporate. I was like, no, I'm not really good at having a manager. I'm not really good at like following protocol or having to do things a certain way or keep up appearances when you talk to clients or in that scenario. I just found it all very quite fake. And I think when I was in my second job, the work wasn't fulfilling me. So I was a bit like, no, maybe consulting isn't for me. And then it was just the bureaucracy of the firm that then got to me and I just thought no I can't I can't deal with this I can't deal with this at every single level right because the the higher you get the worse it gets the kind of the more competitive it gets I just thought no and what happened when you realized this like was it an immediate I need to quit I need to figure out my life or did you plan ahead and were you already taking a certification or like courses like what was your course of action yeah, so I actually had a mentor. I can't remember where I met her, but I found a mentor who, and she used to work in investment banking, but she quit a job and she now worked for herself and she was she does so many things. Like she's a coach, a career coach, she's also a nutritional therapist and she's also a oh, what do you call it? Oh, stylist. Stylist, yeah. stylist that's it. Sorry, my brain went blank. And she's on the board of directors for a couple of companies. Like she's literally superwoman. And I just was so inspired by her because I thought, here's someone who had a really great job in the corporate, but now was doing all of these amazing things and having fun. Like she, she had so much fun doing what she did. And I just thought, that is so cool. I want to be like that. I want to work my own hours do that but still have the same financial reward as what I would be getting in a corporate job and at the time like I was really into nutrition I was getting super into healthy eating and nutrition because you know in my first corporate job my depression was so bad I actually developed like eating disorders as well so nutrition at that point for me was like a recovery kind of journey so she was the one who inspired me actually to train as a nutritional therapist so that's when I started to look into it more and I was really drawn to the idea of doing changing health within a company doing a lot of talks and mm. nutrition and well-being and also being a, an advocate for mental health depression and anxiety because from my experience there's there hadn't been a lot of support within the firms for mental health wow that's so interesting 
I would have never thought, you know, it's interesting how we deal. And I think you mentioned it as well. You mentioned it during our live. You were like, if you had a disease or if you have a sickness, you can see it. But with mental health, you don't see it. So you don't really know who suffers from it, who has what, why, and all of those things. And, you know, you having said that, I see you as like super healthy. I see you, you know, you look great. I would have never imagined that you went through like an eating disorder. And I know that eating disorders are like one of those that you can never really tell, right? Mm. So how did you actually recover from that? Like what were some techniques that you used to get better? And how do you feel about that nowadays? So really like now that I've trained as a therapist I really understand eating disorders to be more about you know a lot of people think it's about oh I need to look good yes that is a sort of reason but the underlying reason is a feeling of control and my eating disorder started when I actually went traveling in my gap year so I actually even though I had a good time on my gap year I also had the worst time so before I went away I was like exercising I was going to the gym twice a day really enjoying it eating healthy and then a week into my traveling I didn't have access to a gym and it really hit me I was like I don't have I can't go to the gym I can't I'm not really in control of what I'm eating because I'm doing all these tours or I'm volunteering somewhere and um that's when the control thing started and so for me I developed this eating disorder because I felt I needed some way of controlling when I didn't have control taking back control and then when I went into my job I was it it still continued I didn't feel like I had control over my emotions my happiness my sense of fulfillment and so eating disorders really come from a feeling of I need to control something. If I get control in one aspect of my life, maybe I'll feel happier. And so I did go and see a, I didn't know about rapid transformational therapy at the time, but I had seen a, I started seeing an NLP therapist and coach. So she started to help me really unpick what it was that was making me feel unfulfilled. And that's when sort of I started looking into more of like life purposes etc so everything was interlinked I never really I think a lot of people like to treat things in isolation like you have an eating disorder Mm -hmm. so that's how you deal with it this is depression this is how you deal with anxiety but to be honest it's all linked emotional and physical health is linked and yeah after I started working on one thing it kind of unpicks a box of other things that needed to be dealt with but it all is like a domino effect right it's so interesting to hear that because I would have never thought you know an eating disorder comes with control like I would think you become OCD or something like that but I would never consider an eating disorder as I need to have control so it's fascinating to hear about your own experience because after you said that yeah it makes more sense that people would want to like control what they eat how they eat when they eat and all of those things so you obviously had already had this inkling of oh i kind of want to be in a therapy i kind of want to be like a psychologist something like that deep down you knew even if you were just discovering it so you kind of pivoted right off the bat into your dreams thing what would be your advice for people who might not necessarily know how to listen to themselves or have no idea what they want, but know they need to make a change? Like maybe they were in corporate or they're in corporate and they're like, this is not fulfilling. I don't know what I would do otherwise. Yeah. I would always ask yourself the question, what makes me happy in terms of what gives me joy naturally to do? And that might be that you are the person that 
gives great advice that everyone goes to and you actually really like making people feel better or it might be that you in your spare time you love to create you love to paint you love to draw what is it that gives you fulfillment because ultimately whatever that is whether it's being creative whether it's being helpful that is going to be a source of joy for you and Mm -hmm. if you can't find it in a career or a job find it outside of your career or job I think a lot of people forget to take up hobbies that fulfill them or that give them that satisfaction like for me actually I was torn between being a therapist and working with animals (laughs) but for me I was like oh do I really want to train as a vet if I was going to be a vet, then I probably wouldn't work in this country. I'd want to go to Africa and work on a safari park or something. But is that going to give me the lifestyle that I want to eventually have? Probably not. So it was like, a oh, okay, what could I do? Maybe I started looking at volunteer animal shelters I could volunteer at. Something that gave me fulfillment outside of it. Because I think a lot of people who feel lost don't they just think oh it has to be in my job but if you can't if you generally can't find it in a career then look for it outside but for me it was more about also getting curious because we're not really taught these things at school we're taught traditional things we're exposed to law firms banks those type of corporations but you know with the I think you know with the world of social media now it's much easier to find people that can inspire you there's so many different ways of working now that it is it has opened up a new platform for us to get inspired right so for me it was meeting someone by chance who had a similar background to me who then inspired me it was like actually you can do this there's another way of working there's another way of living and that that for me then sparked a curiosity and i started to explore what it was to be a nutritional therapist and then later on what it was to be a therapist and a coach and that kind of led me down that path so finding a mentor I think is a really good one a really key one Mm -hmm. because it's okay you don't have to figure it out by yourself but if you can be inspired by someone's values their morals their story that can start to unlock your thinking in ways that you probably wouldn't be able to if you just did the same thing day in day out right when we do the same thing day in day out we're not gonna find inspiration we have to go and find it I think that's really important that you mentioned to find hobbies and actually be curious because as you can say from your experience as I can say from my experience as well I feel the same exact way that you do I feel in school they don't really teach you these creative ways of living like I mean, even I went to fashion school, so it was a bit more creative than your actual traditional, let's go to banking, let's go to finance, but still within the fashion world. It was mostly like, oh, you can be a designer and work for someone. Or if Mm -hmm. you're lucky and you're talented, you can open up your own kind of like design fashion brand. Or if you're in the communication marketing side of fashion, then you can go and work for someone. But they never push this whole what if you become a coach? What if you become like, I don't know, a podcaster? What if you become a TV celebrity, whatever it is, they don't really talk about that. And I feel you can't explore those unless you get creative. Like you said, mm-hmm. unless you start looking people doing incredible things and you're like, what if I do that? Like, how would I feel if I become that person? 
So those things that you mentioned are super, super important. So I would love to talk now about how you actually started your business. How, like, what was the whole process for you? Did you go into taking these trainings and then one day you decided, okay, I'm ready. Let's go. Let's start my business and I'm going to have starting, I'm going to start having clients or how did you go about the whole business side? Yeah, for me, I guess it was more of an immediate thing because for the last three years, I wasn't working part-time. I know a lot of people were still working either full-time or part-time on the course. Um, But in my final year, I was doing two courses and just being a full-time student. So for me, the urgency of starting my business was like, you need to start it now. And so literally, as soon as I finished my, I finished my therapy qualification back in March 2020, I didn't start straight away because I had a massive imposter syndrome (laughs) and I was being, I was really stressed with finishing my nutrition course. So my third and final year coming into the last few months and I finished that end of June, 2020. So at the end of June, 2020, I was like, right now that now I need to set up. So I pretty much, I actually did paid my mentor. I invested in her as a coach to help me get started because I knew straight away. I was like, I I don't want to figure all of this out by myself. I need someone who's successful in business and can give me pointers and directions on where to go first. Mm-hmm. So my original niche was in, I wanted to combine nutrition and the mindset work. So a mind and body approach to help corporate workers who were burnt out, stressed and depressed. So that's where I started. And I guess it wasn't as easy as I thought it would be. We don't really think about the business side when we're training. We just have like a grand thing of, I'm going to help so many people once this is going to be amazing. And then when you actually finish the course, you're like, oh my God, how do I even do this? Is this even possible? Where do I start? So all of that kicked in. And after like a month or so, I, I really wasn't feeling the niche. I was feeling really... I think it was it was more the nutrition side of it. Like I find nutrition fascinating, but to work with clients one to one for me it doesn't light me up because it it can take a lot of research and a lot of time and a lot of energy to just to put into one client. And so I felt like it was draining me. I'm I and so I decided to drop the nutrition aspect and just focus on anxiety and depression. And then I started working with a couple of people that were what I thought was my ideal client but I actually found that they weren't then my ideal client and this was a revelation to me because I I was like oh my god where do I go now I trained because I specifically wanted to help people overcome the challenges I had overcome like anxiety depression eating disorders body image whatever and then I'm working with these people now and I'm like this isn't my ideal client And so that kind of threw me a little bit, but that is when I sort of pivoted because I pivoted more to say entrepreneurs and confidence, because I know that a lot of the things can be interrelated, right? A lot of, Mm. a lot of people who have got mindset blocks have got issues with anxiety and they may have suffered depression before in the past. So that's when I pivoted and then it fully aligned with me. So that's definitely another learning thing that I did I now realize because it's not so simple as, yeah, you're qualified now, here you go, launch. is about having not only the strategy, but the mindset, but also the alignment. 
and making sure that you are fully aligned with it because if you're not aligned it still it still won't click it's really important what you said I went through that as well and definitely like I started the year being well last year being a branding coach and then I was like literally like you said started working with someone and I was like holy shit what have I gotten myself into this is not what I want what do I do now <laughs> and it yeah. was like this whole let's figure it out once more you know? yeah and I feel it's really important what you say because being an entrepreneur or a coach is all about shit I don't like this anymore how do I move on from that but you can't know unless you get curious, right? Mm -hmm. So speaking about that, tell us a little bit about what frustrates you about the way people see coaching. I think what frustrates me is that similar, I guess, to therapy is just almost this mentality of, I don't need the help or why would I need the help? I should be able to figure this out on my own. And that is what really frustrates me. You know, you see a lot of people who have got mental health or they're struggling mentally but they still don't want to get help because they think that if they get help that's a sign of weakness and it's the same with coaching you see new coaches new new therapists new nutritionists just certify and they have no idea what they're doing they have all this stress and anxiety kicking in and but they still reluctant to say hire a coach a business coach or a mindset coach because they feel like if they don't do it then they're going to be a failure and that's just like part of the imposter syndrome it's like this this whole thing of I must be able to figure out myself otherwise I'm a failed entrepreneur and so I think that's what really frustrates me about it it's still like this stigma of I don't need a coach I don't need a therapist but we all need help in life at every stage of our life we need help like we are not designed as human beings to be able to figure things out by ourselves. Like we are wired to be in a tribe. And when you're in a tribe, everyone has their strength. Everyone has their weaknesses. We all need help in getting to where we want to be. And I always like using the example of Olympic athletes. Like no Olympic athlete has got to the top or won a gold medal without the help of professional coaches behind them or to support them or to unlock potential within them everyone mm. who gets to the top of their game top ceos top athletes top whatever have all had personal development and their own coaches yep that is so true i know you mentioned tony robbins as well in one of your examples when we were doing the live so if you're out there listening and you have no idea who tony robbins is i would encourage you to go watch a movie that i recently saw <laughs> on tv which was kind of it's like a really old movie not exactly sure how it's called but it's with jack black and gwyneth paltrow and actually and tony robbins is in the movie and i just realized this yeah i like watched this movie i think it's from like 2009 or 2007 or something like ancient and i just rewatched it over christmas and i realized holy shit that was tony robbins like he was big since even before and he does like this whole hypnotherapy session to the main character in the movie and it's just fascinating so if you don't know who he is and you want kind of like a brief snapshot of what he what does the movie anymore Shallow Hell? Oh, I don't... I think it is. Shallow Hell. Yes, it's that one. I love that movie. It's so funny. But, I didn't yeah, realize so that... he was in it. I'm going to have to rewatch it now because I did not right? realize Tony Robbins was in it. 
literally the same thing happened to me. Like I was watching the movie and I was like, wait, is that Tony Robbins? Like what? And then I went into it and I was like, holy shit. Yeah. I never realized it back in the day because I was not aware of who he was, but now with the coaching world, I'm totally aware of it. So I would love to know what are some techniques that you specifically use as a transformational coach? Like what does a transformational coach actually do? in regards to what therapy doesn't. I know we've mentioned that therapy is different because it's a slower process, but what do you exactly do and how do you help your clients? Yeah, so for me, it's really a combination of both because the way I like to differentiate therapy and coaching is a lot of people say coaching is more about future-orientated goals, like helping a person get to where they want to be, whereas therapy is more about healing the present and the past. So I'm trained in a specific form called rapid transformational therapy, which was a process designed by someone called Marissa Peer. She's becoming a lot more famous now around the world. And RTT is becoming really world renowned. But it's a, it's a blend of psychotherapy, hypnotherapy, CBT and NLP. So if you don't know what that is, like psychotherapy is like normal talking therapy, hypnotherapy, obviously, cognitive behavioral therapy and neuro-linguistic programming and why it's called rapid is because I work mostly in hypnosis in my hypnosis sessions work directly with the subconscious mind and the subconscious mind is your like fast track to behavioral change most of our thoughts feelings behaviors are located in our subconscious and that's a part of our brain which is also called the kind of emotional brain whereas your conscious is like your analytical mind and a lot of people like to try and reason themselves out of why they shouldn't feel a certain way or they should feel a certain way and you just don't you can't really do that and a really good example of that is you know whenever you walk into a room and you see a really small spider on the wall logically you know that spider can't do you as much harm as you could do it but emotionally you freak out and people will run out of the room they'll scream they'll panic because the emotion is stronger than the logic and that's all come down from social conditioning that we should just scream and run away from spiders but there's no real reason behind it and that's the same for anything else in your mind really any time that we feel a fear a fear of failure or a fear of rejection it all comes down to that subconscious programming that we have and so when you work with subconscious mind you are able to create behavioral change a lot quicker mm, so it's last it lasts longer per se also you know when you are able to rewrite your blueprint so your subconscious is really like if you like to think of it as a blueprint of how you see the world it's been programmed almost like a software from a young age especially when we're kids kids up until about the age of five I think it is don't really have logic they're kind of all emotion that they, they operate in a theta brainwave state and they just absorb everything around them in, and process it emotionally not logically and that can form really strong blueprints when we're adults. This feeling of I'm, I'm not good enough. I need to be good enough in order to feel loved, to feel accepted, to get attention. And we as adults don't realize that we still run on those outdated blueprints. And so what you can do in hypnosis is one, uncover 
where your limiting beliefs are coming from much quicker, but also in hypnosis helps to rewire or rewrite that, that subconscious programming that you're running on, updating it basically to reflect on how you want to act now as an adult. Ooh, that sounds really interesting. I've actually done it myself. So if anyone's curious, definitely go hire Angie or go try all of those techniques with someone because it's really a fascinating experience. And like I mentioned, if you want to see kind of like a pop culture reference of how it works, go watch Shallow Hell because <laughs> I'm not like, this is not sponsored in any way, but I promise you, <laughs> if you look at it from the simplest way, you'll understand how it works on like yeah. a deep level, right? And the thing is, I think a lot of people are skeptical about hypnosis because they have a misconception of what it is like. They all think it's about hip stage hypnosis. Okay, stage hypnosis is like, well, look into my eyes, your feelings, you're going to clock around the stage like a chicken or something and not remember anything. Now, that is a real misconception of what hypnosis is because that is a tiny percent of a population that could ever be ever do that. Okay, so when it, I don't know if you know Darren Brown, you might not know him over there in the States. But if you look up Darren Brown or mentalists, any big mentalists, they all have a selection process with their audience. They all do these like mini tests to test how suggestible their audience is. And there's only a very tiny percentage of the population that are so susceptible that they can just like, you, you can make them do anything. But the majority of us, that is not the case. Now, hypnotherapy is just, hypnosis is just like meditation. It's pretty much the same thing. It's about being deeply relaxed. The only difference is, is that meditation is about, you know, you do it yourself. You kind of go into your own internal state. You start to reflect on yourself internally, whereas hypnosis is more about suggestions, positive suggestions being said to you so you they absorb into your subconscious but you're conscious the whole time and you're talking back to me the entire time like we're actually having pretty much a coaching or therapy conversation you're just in a deep state of relaxation and that's all it is really yeah exactly I was skeptical before and then I tried it and I was like oh this is actually really interesting I never felt as relaxed as this so definitely go try it I have one last question for you before we go into the fun part. Not that this hasn't been fun, but you know, like the rapid fire questions. And I know it's fun for me because you told me before, you're like, oh my God, that's so stressful. So <laughs> it's fun for me in the audience. It might not be as fun for you, but I'll try to keep it very light and easy. So it's not hard questions. But my last one for you is I'm pretty sure you've had an experience where you feel like you're probably the only one to have lived it at some point. Maybe it was a thought or a fear or even a feeling. Can you tell us what that was, first of all? And second of all, what would be your advice to people that might be in the same situation as you were? Yeah, I think for me, it has been a constant, you know, up until recently, a feeling of I have no idea what I'm doing in life. I don't know if I'm ever going to be fulfilled. I don't know if I'm ever going to be happy. I don't know how I'm ever going to survive, basically. And it was just a sense of, yeah, not believing that anything would click for me or fall into place. And everyone around me seemed to have their, their life figured out. Like everyone around me was getting promoted in their jobs, whereas I just left mine to now f pursue something. Or, you know, I just felt behind the curve. And I think talking to more people now, 
who have retrained in therapy, who have retrained in coaching, whatever it is, you know, that is a really common feeling. It's just that a lot of people are very good at hiding that they're not feeling fulfilled in their jobs or they're not, they don't want to admit it because they're scared of what that might lead to. So knowing that it is more common than people think, and maybe I was actually braver than a lot of people to take action on it early on instead of waiting till I was a lot older and having some kind of midlife crisis about like, oh my God, what am I doing with my life? Like I took action pretty much very early on in my corporate career. I think the biggest thing then is to not worry because I think when we're in that situation of feeling lost, we then start to stress ourselves. We start to put pressure on ourselves. Maybe we've got people, our parents telling us, you need to figure your life out. You need to get on it. What are you doing? And we can start to then question ourselves and think, what's wrong with me? And then that is not a good path to go down. My biggest takeaway really is that everything kind of happens as in time, the way it should. You can't force yourself to go through growth, really. Because if I'd kind of gone back in time now and told my 17-year-old self some of this stuff, I know that my 17-year-old self would have been so stubborn and so narrow-minded and so focused on getting a corporate career that she wouldn't have listened to me at that time because it wasn't ready, it wasn't her time to be receptive. She had to go through certain failures in life and pains in life to learn that lesson. And so adaptability and having a growth mindset and just kind of not taking that pressure off yourself, knowing that it will work out. All you need to do is be curious and just always be learning and growing and you will get there. You will find different paths in life. (laughs) Yes. Great reminder and great lesson. I think there's a phrase, I'm probably going to butcher it because I am not the best at remembering phrases. I can remember the gist of it, but phrases, word by word, it's terrible. But basically it's nothing comes later or before than when you need it to. Like everything happens at the right time. So if something's not happening for you, it's probably not your right time. Or maybe it'll never come, but it's kind of like rerouting you to what you actually need or want. So I love that you mentioned that because so true, like literally so true. You have to go through hard times to go through happy times and you have to suffer a bit in terms of not knowing what you're doing or where you're going to find your path. That's a great reminder from you. So I've enjoyed so much our conversation about mindset and therapy and all of those things. It's time to end this fun conversation with an even funner part. So are you ready for the rapid fire questions? Yes. Okay, the first one you already know it. I've already asked you, but this is for people that are listening and didn't watch our live. So, what person, dead or alive, would you love to have dinner with if you had the chance? I think everyone that people will know is like Beyonce and David Attenborough. They're the two that people will know, but I actually really would love to have dinner with Darren Brown. And I'll send you his YouTube links if you don't know him. Like, he's big in the UK, but he's a mentalist and like he's like the stuff he does is crazy but I would absolutely love to have a conversation with him I love that I'm definitely looking forward to watching those videos okay next one would you rather travel the world for a year on a shoestring budget or stay in only one country for a year but live in total luxury oh 
and get to travel around that country yeah or stay in one place no like it would be in the country like it's either you can travel the world for a year but you don't have money like it's a shoestring budget you'd backpack you know all the typical backpacker things or you only stay in one country but you can live in total luxury like think five-star hotels best restaurants but just in that country I think my younger self would have said the first option, but I'm I'm tempted by the second one at the moment. <laughs> yeah. Okay, so like half half. I can I'll give you that. I'll give you that. Okay. Would you rather live on the beach or in a cabin in the woods? Ooh. Beach, I think. Even though I don't really like sand, but I like water. Okay. I like to look at water, but I don't like the feeling of sand in my feet. But yeah, I like looking. I, I think I'm a water baby. I'd have to have a view of the ocean. Okay, I love that. You should come to the Caribbean in Mexico one day. You'll, you'll oh my god, it's like on my list. After that, uh, it's on my list. <laughs> come visit me if this year it's yes. better. I probably invite you. <laughs> okay, are you more of a coffee or tea person? Tea. I can't drink coffee, but weirdly, I like coffee flavored things, like coffee flavored chocolate and coffee cake. Okay. But I don't like coffee itself. Okay, interesting. Are you more of a salty or sweet person? Sweet. Definitely. Mm. Mm. What's your favorite type of food? Like Asian, pan-Asian. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah, hybrids that. and fusions of Asian. <laughs> fusions are the best thing ever. Magazines or books for you? To be honest, I'm really, <laughs> First I'm one really that pops in your mind. Oh my god, magazines. <laughs> okay <laughs> magazines work there are good magazines out I have there. quite a short attention span I have a really bad habit of starting books and then not finishing them so I've, I've started about three books and I'm only about a third into each one never okay, finished magazines <laughs> perfect so I asked you this on the live and I want you to mention it here because it'll make everyone daydream if you could travel anywhere in the world right now COVID and money aside where would you go yeah I definitely would go to a luxury a luxury villa in the Maldives right now even though it's still being by myself I just want to be around water scuba dive jet ski lay around it's all about water for you I can totally see that yeah <laughs> <laughs> okay my last one who is your biggest inspiration honestly I really don't I honestly don't know I honestly don't know I don't have I'm one of those people who doesn't have a idol or a favorite movie or anything. I think for me, it always chops and changes depending on where I am in my life stage. I think you find mm. new people that inspire you in, in the areas that you need growth in. Mm -hmm. If that makes I sense. I like that way of thinking. Yeah. You can definitely get behind that. Okay. So, Angie, it's been amazing talking to you. I think you've given great insights on all of mental health, anxiety, depression, the coaching side, the therapy side, from both sides, you know, from both a patient and from both a coach. So I feel like this episode is going to be amazing for anyone who will want to listen to it. And so happy you were my first guest for 2021. So as a reminder, you can all go to the description and look at Angie's Instagram and the links. So I'm just going to ask you to send me those links so people can 
can go and find out more about your services, book with you, or just talk to you. Maybe they have a question. Maybe they just need someone to listen to. Whatever it is, you can go check Angie out on Instagram. I'm Angelina Lim Coaching, right? At Angelina Lim Coaching. Yeah. It's going to be tagged anyway in the description. And if you want to go follow us, check out our lives, check out our weekly Keeping It Real and everything else. I usually put fun stuff on there. Follow me at Pretty Sure Podcast on Instagram. And anyway, it's been a great time having you here, Angie. Thank you so much for doing this. Thank you for having me. I'm excited to have it go out. I know. I hope you enjoyed the experience. I know you weren't prepared for the recording, but don't worry. The <laughs> video part will not be released yet, so you have some time to prepare mentally for that. <laughs> <laughs> I'll, I'll let you know before it airs. Like, I'll let you know, you know what, your video is going on YouTube. So you can kind of like do a meditation or something around that and feel better. Okay, okay, we'll do. Okay, well, everyone, peace out and I'll see you next week. Yeah.